What's up, everybody? I'm Jay, and uh, welcome to another episode of Twitterology, where we unpack weird, confusing, bad theology on social media. As always, I'm here with my good friend, Isaac Serrano. Yo. How you doing, man? I'm good. Last yeah. time you asked me this and we had to retake it because I stumbled over saying, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> You nailed I, it this time, I though. I did. I, well, I pr- I've been prepping. I've been practicing. <laughs> like when Jay looks at you and he says, how you doing? Say, yo, I'm good. Uh, I can tell nailed you been practicing. It. It's really it's, good. It's, I know. Uh, also here with us, as they've been for our previous Twitterology episodes, uh, first, my good friend, Liz Diddy. Hey, Liz. Hey, Jay. And uh, also, Chris Nye. Hello. How you doing, man? Doing great. Um, today, I want to... Uh, okay. We don't usually name names here at Twitterology, but there's Uh-oh. been Uh-oh. there's been um, there's been this uproar. You know, it's been a it's been a few months now, but there was uh, this uproar um, and lots of conversation online because uh, somebody who has been incredibly impactful for the local church in America and around the world um, in the last you know fifteen maybe even twenty years, uh, Andy Stanley, who's the um, I don't know if he's still the lead pastor at North Point, but started North Point Church and um, incredible local church leader has had again tremendous impact. He um, did a teaching series at his church, North Point, and uh, basically there was one. I mean, it was the whole teaching, but to summarize a big part of the teaching, there was a line that he said in the teaching that got, gained um, a lot of traction online and garnered a ton of interest and a ton of conversation back and forth on social media, where he was talking about reading the Bible, and he basically, he the statement was um, that we need to unhitch the teachings of Jesus, we need to unhitch the New Testament from the Old Testament. Um, you guys all heard this and read yeah. about it, I'm sure. Um, lots of conversation about it. Would love to get, what were some of your initial thoughts when you uh, maybe didn't watch the sermon, but when you saw the big blow up on, on social media? My, my first reaction was, Andy's done this a lot uh, <laughs> in this way. He is, a, uh, I think he's a great gift to, to the local church. I want to be clear on that. Yeah. He, he pushes a lot of boundaries, though, and his communication style is so towards non-Christians and those who are far from the church that he does kind of step in it. From time to time, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen other uproars. I you know I, yeah. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but he said things that he's like had to walk back or apologize or you know make clarifications to. And so in some ways, I thought you know this is um, this is a little um, it, it's one of the symptoms of our our bend towards the seeker sensitive movement and mm. what that has done to theology which is so long as we keep lofting really, really difficult theology to those who are very, very far from the Bible and from um, Christianity, it becomes increasingly important what we say and how we say it. Yeah. Because a word like unhitched, it's like becomes this huge kind of conversation about the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so all the more important for those of us, I, I think, you know, we're all leaders in the Silicon Valley, which is a climate that is very distant from the Bible. 
which just made me think, okay, here's a guy who's way out there and who kind of constantly maybe steps in it because he's stepping out too far. Um, we have to be all the more careful because we know our people and we're like, we don't want to offend people or we want to make this palatable for the audience. Yeah. And we end up maybe misguiding them in, in, in the pursuit, in the motive, because I, I would know, I mean, I don't know Andy, but I've heard him talk enough times to know his motive is to try to reach yeah. that person. But in doing so, sacrifices uh, orthodoxy at times. Yeah, and maybe confuse that new believer exactly. or seeker later on down the line. Do more damage than... Yeah, yeah. if that is the entry point, yeah. let's unhitch. Listen, you guys, I know yeah. you're seeking, and maybe the Old Testament is holding you up, and you're reading Deuteronomy and Joshua, and some of this stuff is gnarly. Let's unhitch it. Yeah. It's not a part... Let's just not consider a part of the story. Jesus undid that. Mm. Let's just do this you know the gospels let's yeah. just do bits and pieces of paul i'm not saying that's what andy is saying but yeah. with the language right then once that person follows jesus begins to read his bible or her bible begins to embed themselves in the life of the community and then now they're sharing the good news with other people and then new people are saying like okay you became a christian i'm sort of interested but i'm reading joshua i'm reading deuteronomy now it's spreading that that person is going to say dude unhitch it you know mm. you don't need it yeah. um and then that person one day 20 years in might say man i, I think i am going to sort of read it and figure this out and then it's like it's it's rattling around in there you've built your entire thing on unhitching and yet there's this sort of undeniable connection because you're reading Jesus. And we've talked about this in a previous episode. Jesus is like, hey, he's mentioning these Old Testament texts. You're like, wait a minute. Like Jesus doesn't unhitch this stuff. From well, and you're ministry. reinforcing the myth that the Old Testament is like God's dirty little secret. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 That they're the skeletons in God's closet, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Shout out to one. Josh Butler, <laughs> Jay Butler, Josh friend Butler, of, Jay Butler, friend get of back the, pod. on the podcast. Get, get back, back on, on the podcast. To you <laughs> and you, you, you highlighted the fact that like Andy Stanley, like reached more people for Jesus than yeah. than me, better Christian than me, better totally. communicator than yeah. me. And when he says something, he's pushing the boundaries. His church knows the context, the whole sermon. These episodes are the the Twitterology, if you will. So yeah. what happens is this gets becomes a slogan, yeah. And people and people, it's not just Andy Stanley. People just like get rid of the Old Testament. People don't realize that this has been done historically again and again and again. In more recent times, we're we're unaware of the fact that go back a hundred years, the scholarship coming out of the majority of Christianity, the most brilliant minds were German scholars. They were de-Judaizing Jesus. They were ripping Jesus out of his Jewish context. And believe me, the effects of that were massive, not just theologically, but real-life image-bearing people die because of it. Yeah. So the church has a history with anti-Semitism because we were able to theologically de-Judaize the New Testament from the Old. What happened after um, the horror of World War II and the Holocaust was there was a movement that started to bring the two together. And so there was all of a sudden, there's Jesus seen in his Jewish roots. And we, we all grew up reading all these great theologians, um, people like Scott McKnight, who's a friend of the podcast, wrote, wrote King Jesus Gospel about how the gospel is, you know, the completion of the story of Israel. That was unheard of. 80 years ago that was people weren't talking like that because of that same sentiment so andy stanley does not want to do that 
But we got to be careful because those seeds have grown into things that led to the New Testament being God's revelation and getting out of all the Old Testament stuff. And historically, there's the, the old Marcionite heresy within the, within the second, second century where they were just kind of doing away with the Old Testament. And it leads to, to not just theology, I mean, real-life horrible things. It's hijacking the Jewish people and their story and taking Jesus out of his Jewish context. Yeah. It's bad. Really yeah, bad. I mean, you mentioned Marcion, and there's been a lot of back and forth Stanley's a Marcionite and then you know defenders was like no 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 you're misunderstanding he's not and without getting into all of that he's and not forth, he's not yeah. in any way and I'm not even saying that right right and but, even what he said isn't what they were doing right but what yeah. is interesting is with Marcion where it led because the reason Stanley's not a Marcionite is because Marcion took it to a place where it's like the god of the Old Testament is like actually like a secondary Deity. Deity. He was actually right yeah. delineating um, yeah. now multiple gods and all of those sorts of things. What you're saying, I think, is why it's so important. And I love what you said about you know if you're going to North Point and you're there and you're a part of that community and you're hearing Andy teach on a regular basis and you're you're in the midst of everything that is happening as a part of that church, there's a different experience of it than when you're reading Andy say this or watching a quick clip yeah. of him saying it as um, – you know, somebody who is uh, somebody who's been impacted by him. Maybe you're like a fan of he his just got or whatever. Through the Ruth series they did two weeks ago, where you're in the Old yeah. Testament for eight weeks, you know he doesn't mean that, right? But yeah. the Twitterology. This is Version why Twitterology gets so crazy because we take these little quotes, and, and especially for somebody like Stanley, this is like the most name-dropping specific <laughs> episode we've had, especially for someone like Stanley who has such heavy influence. The reality is his words, whether he likes it or not, they're just weighted differently when it comes to church leaders. Okay, but R here's the thing. So Andy said that, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, you know, in an uproar and everyone's blogging back and forth and ripping out of context or not. Even though he said it explicitly and wh whatever he meant by it in his context, haven't you heard it implicitly a million times before? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, when you say the Marcionites said the God of the Old Testament was a second God and there were multiple deities, that sounds horrible. But how many times have you heard Old Testament God versus New Testament God? Yeah, yeah totally. And they believe it on an emotional level. You, I mean, we're complex beings, so you could understand the God of the the God who's the God today is the same God yesterday. But on an emotional level, how many people at church who love God still interact with the Old Testament as if that's the evil, angry God, and Jesus, he's the good, he's the good new one. Right. They may not think it. They they all still articulate the orthodox definition of the Trinity, but on an emotional level, that gives birth to something that's very real in their life, more real than the theology they articulate. Yeah, because it's rooted in deep in their conscience. Yeah, I think that's you just said it really well. I think that's the sort of point I was you know trying to make is that it just gets very very gray when we are not careful with unpacking giant ideas that come out in short sentences. You know, unhitch the Old Testament from the new. Um, uh, if you sit and listen to Andy, you know he's not a Marcionite. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and yet, because of social media and because of the way information is passed around, 
it becomes so important. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we do these episodes. Yeah, right? is to unpack a little bit, right? Um, and and I don't. I, I'm not saying that because I have some sort of great solution for it. But um, and, and we don't know Andy personally. I, I don't think any of us know Andy personally, so it's hard to know. I'm gonna act like I do, just so I can name <laughs> drop. No, well, you know, when me and Andy we we debriefed about it, he he explained himself. It made a lot of sense. It just things get taken out of context. He's well, yeah, but we're not talking about Andy. We're talking about the idea. Exactly. Right? The idea. And yeah, I think that. The thing that's really dangerous about the idea, yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about this with Just Read Jesus, right? Like Jesus is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, if you're you're getting into unhitching the New Testament from the Old Testament, the New Testament is a great place to start, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, But there's a, a big danger that happens when you unhitch it. Right, like I think there, there's something in that word that basically makes it two separate parts that can be disconnected instead of one continuing story. Yeah, and and if we don't see the story of God from Genesis to Revelation as one continuing story, yeah. uh, we are missing so much of what God has to say to us. I mean, how much of the Old Testament is filled with pointers and clues so that it ties it all together into one continuing story and if you actually read the old testament yeah there's some crazy stuff in there but over and over again it says our god is merciful and his loving kindness never ceases his faithfulness never ends and so it's really unfair to say that the god of the old testament is this angry killing a horrible bloodthirsty god and fortunately you know he went to counseling and he figured (laughs) some stuff out and then he became jesus and now we're all cool yeah that's just not the story that we're in yeah and, and jesus himself is never once ashamed of the Old Testament, right. nor the nor the authors. They're, they're never like trying to to hey, well, let's move on. Mm. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he did not come to ab- abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He uses the word plerao. It's the same word that you would use to uh, say a prophecy has been fulfilled. So, in other words, Jesus is the culmination. He's the zenith, the pinnacle point of everything the Old Testament was doing. And even the harshest statements in the New were like in Romans, Paul says, Christ is the end of the law mm. for all of those who believe. That could, you know, people who want to chop off the Old Testament flock to that. End is, is the Greek word telos. And telos can mean end, but it's the end of something that's, it can also mean like the culmination of something. It's the whole movie has been heading here to this end point. So it's not a radical cutting off it's a plerao, it's a fulfilling, it's a coming together. Christ is revealed at the culmination of the ages, according to Hebrews. And so Jesus himself isn't ashamed. He claims that everything about that old story is pointing to him. And you just can't re- even begin to, to understand the bigger ideas of the New Testament without the context of the old. For example, um, I can say, he stole all my money. And the word stole is bad right there. He stole my money, that's bad. But I could also say, she stole all of my heart. Mm-hmm. The context changes the meaning and the New Testament is infused with the Jewish story, mm. with the story of Israel, the story of the Hebrew people. So much so that, like we mentioned, Scott McKnight would say, the gospel itself is the story of Israel finding its completion in Jesus. If Scott's thesis is right, you can't even get the gospel right without the Old Testament. Yeah. Which is a cl- big claim. Yeah. Now, Flannery Connor has a similar thesis in her book, The Crucifixion, about understanding atonement. Sorry. 
Flannery Rutledge. Flannery O'Connor. Flannery O'Connor. theologian. I know the book and the other Flannery. I was literally just reading short stories by Flannery O'Connor this last weekend. I was like, we're dropping the amazing. The book, The Crucifixion, would be so different if Flannery O'Connor It's got a peacock on a cross on the cover. But actually, your point should not be missed, which is that Fleming's atonement theory and and where how she articulates her argument is she would call it imagery atonement sure. imagery imagery right? like, she would no call theory. it metaphors yeah. yeah there's no theory yeah. there's no uh yeah but her her book does a great job of taking the comprehensive pictures of who god is in the cross yeah and i i think that's such a great vision of of theology which is this unified this unified story this unified picture uh, of who God is across both testaments and 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 when you deeply interact with the New Testament um, and deeply interact with the old they become so much more similar I mean that was yeah. a huge journey I had personally it was just like the more I got into the Old Testament the more I started to see Christ himself yeah. Uh, existing, living through His Word, it 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 changed my life once I got more. Yeah, it's just difficult to make that first was, step, was, and we yeah, probably yeah. do better as leaders just to acknowledge that the step into the Old Testament is a more difficult step than the step into the New Testament. It's a hard book to read. I'm saying mm. that I've spent my life studying it. Yeah, yeah. Isaiah is difficult. Leviticus yeah. is difficult, um, and but once you you keep going, you keep going, and you get acclimated, you begin to kind of see see it, and then you you get you get to the New Testament. They want us to make that connection. How does Matthew begin? Yeah. You want to go straight to Jesus? We'll go just Jesus. Matthew <laughs> begins with a, a Jewish genealogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark begins with quoting this is the this is the gospel of Jesus Christ and he quotes Isaiah and Malachi fuses those two verses together mm-hmm. Luke goes this is a genealogy not just back to Abraham but to Adam John in the beginning was the word a direct connection to Genesis 1-1 like not a single gospel begins without them telling you this is the end of the story this is the end of the story well and don't you think if you follow it to the end of the line in its most extreme version when you unhitch the New Testament from the Old Testament, you're in severe danger of unhitching the Trinity, right? Yeah, of yeah. unhitching Jesus from God the Father. Hmm. Which speaks to what you were saying about uh, this idea, which while we may not hear it explicitly, implicitly mm-hmm. is, is really everywhere in kind of American pop Christianity. Yeah. It, it's just all over. And and I, I think even thinking through our own lives and when we worship, uh, you know, and for our listeners, when they're in church or when they're reading their scriptures, you know, are you interacting with with Yahweh, with with the, the true triune God of the Bible? Or are you worshiping this kind of trite, smaller God that you've honestly invented based off of a very superficial reading of certain text that you've chosen. I think pastorally, that's where I try to get people to, is like to this much larger uh, vision of, of who God is that I think both Testaments speak to. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a friend who came from a Roman Catholic background, and she wouldn't pray to God. She would only pray to Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I always encourage people, and I don't want my words to get, to mean, to get taken out of context, because I, I don't think there's anything wrong with praying to in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with praying to Jesus or the Spirit, in and of itself. However, the majority example in the New Testament is people praying to the Father in the name of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. 
Hmm. That's, that's again and again, that's the, the most common pattern of prayer. In and of itself, there's nothing wrong, but how many times have you seen someone pray just to Jesus, excluding of the Father, and it turned out that there's, there's father issues in, deep in that person's life. They have anger issues towards dad, and the, the God that's in the Old Testament is painted as the angry father figure, and I had an earthly angry father figure, and therefore relating to the father is near impossible at this point. So Jesus again becomes, becomes the good guy, and I've walked with people. I've seen it happen. They work on their father, earthly father issues, and automatically, out of nowhere, they say, Heavenly Father, to begin their prayer. Hmm. And it's this weird. I mean, this is in our souls. The, the, our, our parental figures, our upbringing, I mean, this goes deep, deep, so deep. It's, it's inarticulated emotions that are buried there, and we want, we want people to resolve, so, resolve those so they can pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven. Well, and even people who've had good relationships with their earthly fathers have not necessarily understood their relationship with their heavenly father, right? Like if you're told that your heavenly father is the angry God of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. I, I think the issue is it's not always the necessarily the language that you use when you pray. It's how accessible you believe God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that sort of brings us full circle, which I really love thinking about the person who is trying to figure it out, whether they're a follower of Jesus already or the seeker. You know, when we were saying Andy has been such a gift to the local church and that he's really shifted um, the paradigm quite a bit for the church, particularly here in the West, uh, to think about the person who is unchurched and could care less. And so coming back full circle, I guess to conclude, I'd love to ask all three of you this question. So now that we've landed in this place, you know, we've unpacked the necessity of not unhitching the Old Testament from the new, but really learning to see um, the entire story because it brings Jesus himself actually um, to light in a brand new way. How do you then practically, pastorally, how do you navigate for for an unbeliever, um, uh, for, for the unchurched, for the person who could care less right now? What do you do? You know, if you're if you're not going to unhitch the Old Testament, what do you do with the Old Testament with that with that person who's trying to figure it out? I really love, you know, starting like we said with the Just Jesus episode, start starting in the place that is accessible, but truly starting there, and and staying there. For example, if you read Mark to your your point about the Gospels and where they start, to start them there, but show them where it really starts, right? And likewise, if you're going to read um, Romans or you're going to read one of Paul's letters, and you know Richard Hayes has this beautiful phrase of echoes of the Old Testament mm. in 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 Paul's letters and in the Gospels that I love, which is let's lead people to the, where they're echoing or what they're, the ideas that they're echoing. Uh, and when Jesus is doing certain things and when Paul is saying certain things in a certain way, are we being faithful to that particular text to hear the echo of the Old Testament, to go, this is what it would sound like to someone who has been waiting for the Messiah. And so not going too quickly through the New Testament and helping yep. people go slowly through it, uh, and also, honestly, having some qualified teachers. I mean, I think that's a huge area where we need to have a deeper investment in qualified teachers who can do that slow work. I, we, we can't mention the Bible Project in three Twitter-ology episodes in a row. <laughs> you just serious, did, though. But seriously, <laughs> uh, we have to. One of the first things that I, I would do 
and say, oh, you're going to read Leviticus, watch the Bible Projects video of Leviticus because it'll, it, it'll help you. And then you have to walk with people through those. And I, and I do think um, creating reading plans, we just give people like reading plans as if every Christian could do this reading plan, like customize. You're, you're a pastor, you're a minister. Contextualize a reading plan for that person. You know, know their history, their journey, their background, what they can do. For some people, it's Gospels, Genesis, and Exodus. And then you're going to talk talk through it. Then you're going to go the Psalms and Romans, then Isaiah and this. Because even though Isaiah is difficult, um, it's probably, well, for me, it's not as difficult as Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. And so expose people to greater degrees. Walk with them through that. Don't just give them a reading plan that starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation. I mean, that's... That is difficult. Well, I think that, that is what hard. you're bringing up that's so important is don't leave them alone. Yeah, exactly. D- don't leave them alone to just, you know, p- when people tell me, Chris, I've read the Bible, I- I'm honestly a little, and they're like a non-believer or something, I'm like a little skeptical of that. I'm like, that's that's a frightening thing to do. You just read the whole Bible by yourself. <laughs> but yeah. like 90% of people who say that have never read right. the whole, right. everyone goes, well, I've read the Bible. And like you ask them yeah. like two things and it's like, <laughs> yeah, but, but to shepherd I had a, them. A yeah, professor of 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 world religions at a com- unnamed community college, <laughs> and they're teaching the class. They're they're the expert on this, teaching the class about Christianity, and they're talking about the four kind of orthodox canonical gospels that the kind of institutional church has held, and they go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Paul. And they don't even get John right. And it's like, you got a degree in this, and I don't even think you read it. And you're teaching. Type, type I don't know. Thing. I think that might have been a subconscious. <laughs> no, no. Because you give them the benefit, and you, you push back. I, I'm not going to – I push back, and I was corrected. And it's almost like – I don't even know. This is so awkward. Do I laugh? Do I – like? Yeah. What do I do? It's so awkward. Yeah, because I slip up all the time. Sure. Well, Sunday. no, I mean, we read Paul like he's part of the Like gospel. he's, yes. Yeah. Right. Like he's with them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, got it. Yeah. I thought you meant they just slipped. Like <laughs> no. this Sunday at church, uh, I was talking about King Saul, and I said like King Paul, <laughs> like, supposedly like 25 times, and you know, you always have one nice person come up confused. to you. And yeah, one just, king. yeah, one nice person says, yeah, you remember when you thought your jokes were funny? And we're just like kind of laughing at you because you kept making a mistake. <laughs> Liz, what would you say? So I think we have to be, um, I think one of the biggest things is we can't unhitch the Old Testament from the New Testament when we're telling the gospel. Right, as as pastors, as preachers, and I think we do that right. Um, Like the whole Romans Road approach, and you're a sinner, and Jesus came, and we lose the big picture of evil as a reality in our world because of our rebellion, because of our tendency to turn from God, and when we turn from God, and um, and. And when we originally rebelled and we unleashed this force into our world, it has wreaked nothing but havoc since. And God has been nothing but faithful. He didn't turn our back on us when we rebelled from him. That's the while we were yet sinners, right? Not, you know, while I yet lied to my mom. Mm. It's while we as a people were continually turning away from God, while we were continually getting ourselves lost and stuck, God tried to rescue us over and over and over and every time he rescued us we rebelled against him and every time he rescued us and it's the story of the vineyard when he finally sends his own son 
Mm. Um, and and that that is our good news, right? That that the God of the Old Testament loves us even in our rebellion, and that Jesus rescues us from ourselves. And I think if we can learn how to, you know, tell the story as a big story, not just, you know, tie cool theological threads through things, um, then we understand, you know, that we we can't have Jesus um, without God. He wasn't some renegade rebel son who escaped his angry father to come save us. Um, you know, this was this is an ongoing extension of love and rescue and faithfulness from God from the very beginning. Well, that's really well said. Beautiful way to conclude. And if you would like to book, if you'd like to book Liz Diddy to speak at your, wow, let's that go. was like let's really poignant <laughs> and profound. Go. You can reach her at lizdiddy.com. She's busy. Wow. <laughs> you can go to Chris Nye. He, he'll take any gig. I'll take anything. Take, and then if you're really desperate, again, uh, J. Kim, Isaac Serrano. I mean, hit us up. If you, you just I mean, us. buy us lunch, call it even. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Liz, that was really beautifully said. What a wonderful way to wrap up, I think. Uh, an important call for all, not just pastors, but church leaders. So thank you. Thank you, guys.